Chapter Eighteen of The Hall in the Grove by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. This way to the hall. And so it came to pass that as the newest steamer on Chautauqua Lake, shining with paint and cleanliness, slipped softly into harbor one July afternoon, freighted with the Centerville delegation, to say nothing of several hundred other people, it was Paul Adams in his neat business suit and thoroughly business air who stood on the dock waiting to receive them. He had been at Chautauqua for four weeks, and was prepared to do the honors. Various things had combined to make the Centerville representation much larger than had been anticipated. The Fentons were there, of course. They had looked forward to the treat for so long, and planned so systematically, that no trifling intervention could have kept them away. Young Bennett was there, not because he had at first intended, but because he discovered at a late hour that a certain professor whom he had long been anxious to see and hear was to be at Chautauqua during the teacher's retreat. Therefore he came. Miss Amy Allison was there, because there seemed no reason in the world why she should not come. Mrs. Fenton had been so kind as to promise to take care of her, and it was such lovely weather, and they said the boating on the lake was just splendid, and the bathing ditto, why shouldn't she go? So she went. Caroline Raynor was there, because the Chesters had suddenly determined on a trip to the mountains, which did not include her. Therefore her time was at her own disposal, and because Mrs. Fenton, planning day and night ways of bringing it about, had finally hit upon a plan of cooperative housekeeping, with Caroline for commander-in-chief, meeting her share of the expenses by assuming the care of the household, and because, O oh rare and blessed experience, Mr. Chester had, after days of hard work bestowed by Caroline to aid the family preparations for departure, placed in her hands a roll of bills, and said, "'Now go to Chautauqua or somewhere, and enjoy yourself. You deserve to if anybody does.' On examination there proved to be bills enough to give her the round trip. So, all these unexpected events combining to make her way clear, she came. The ward boys were there, because, well, I find on consideration that it is very difficult to tell you why they came." they did not know themselves. No one could be more astonished than themselves over the fact that they were actually on the steamer. Certain consultations between their father and Dr. Monteith undoubtedly had much to do with it. Of this the young men were sure. Only what arguments could the doctor have brought to bear on the father to cause him to be the prime mover in the matter of their going? actually suggesting it, indeed, I may say urging it, not only for one, but emphatically for both sons, entering into the details of plans, furnishing the money, and in every way pushing the enterprise. The boys did not understand it. They had not said much about it to each other, but both had lain awake of nights, revolving the matter." Possibly, had they heard certain words of Dr. Monteith's one morning, as he stood in Mr. Ward's store door and talked with that gentleman, they might have been wiser. And yet, so little did they understand their father, that I am not sure about this being the case. I look to Chautauqua as a means of helping your son James to a discovery of what place he was made to fill in life. That is one reason why I hope you will conclude to send him there this summer." 
it is a good place in which to develop to a young man his own powers and the line in which he ought to cultivate them james has reached the point where this discovery is of the highest importance to him i think there are grand possibilities about the young man as for joseph i think you will pardon the suggestion knowing how thoroughly interested i am in both the boys for their mother's sake i knew their mother you remember when she and i were young i should like to isolate joseph for a time from all his old companions not only but his old haunts and surround him by such influences as his mother would have liked i know of no better field than chautauqua in which to experiment this in substance is what dr monteith said about it i think he understood mr ward better than the sons did whether from that or from other causes the boys were of the chautauqua party of course it is unnecessary to state that the monteiths were of the party also the wheelers and the mcchesneys and the stuarts to say nothing of certain men and women not so prominent in society or culture but who were thoroughly interested by this time in chautauqua it is a curious thing how impossible it is as a rule to convey to people a correct impression of any place by merely telling them about it as a matter of fact every member at least of the centerville delegation had heard of chautauqua as a place where were many cottages some fine ones boarding-houses hotels stores telegraph office post-office and other indications of civilized life yet not one of those who were nearing the grounds for the first time but realized afterwards that he had believed himself about to land in the woods and camp out in very rural style for a few weeks a taste of pioneer life with many discomforts and a fair chance to immortalize himself by being good-natured under difficulties to each of this number there came a sensation of bewilderment as the boat fairly touched the broad wharf and the stream of human life began to pour off how do you all do was the characteristic american greeting of paul adams as he stepped briskly forward to meet them claim your baggage at the other entrance mr fenton one at a time mr parsons the wheel won't register in couples mr mcchesney the express man will attend to your luggage you are booked for two seventy nine forest avenue mr bennett i secured number twenty for you at the palace hotel here is a gentleman who will show you the way just give your checks to him and it will be all right oh mr stewart there is a telegram awaiting you you will find it at the office second avenue to the right now mrs fenton if your party is ready we will move on to your house you are on jane's avenue just pass around the park to your left it is a short walk how fast paul adams could talk this was the only clear sensation some of that party had for a few minutes at least where were they where were the woods and the camping out and the uncivilized surroundings and the chance to be heroic palace hotel and forest avenue and jane's avenue and telegrams and the park were they set down in the midst of a whirling city to be sure there stretched the woods green and cool but the lovely park on one side so carefully laid out the broad winding avenues reaching away into the distance the rush and bustle of business on every hand the shout of newsboys with evening papers the band of music in the distance the immense piles of luggage that were being systematically disposed of by trained officials 
all these things gave them a curious mixed sense of being in the woods and yet in the world that was as unique as it was interesting arrived at the house which the fentons and their party had secured for the season the effect was no less bewildering here in place of the barest log cabin surroundings they found a neat frame building modern french windows reaching to broad piazza floors carpets curtains and in short all the needful belongings of a tasteful summer home tinted walls and lace curtains i declare exclaimed mrs fenton standing in the centre of one of the pretty rooms to make a general survey why caroline this isn't the woods yes it is returned that young woman with a happy little laugh see that row of trees just at the side door and those in front and that pretty little group across the way and hear those birds this was really all the time that she bestowed on the outdoor world her mind was intent on getting everything within the small bright house reduced to home-like order this as every housekeeper knows is no easy task especially when you have stepped into an abode already furnished to remain only a few weeks and do not feel justified in sending to the store or the ware-rooms for every little article that has been overlooked. Steadily did the presiding genius of the house in the woods betake herself to her task. The others worked spasmodically, leaving off in the midst of a task to go to the dock when the afternoon boats came in, or to go to the office for a walk, or to rove through the ever-fascinating avenues just to see where they would lead, or to follow the sound of martial music and get a glimpse of the picnic excursionists on parade. It would be impossible to give even a hint of the numerous devices which nature planned during the next few days to allure the dwellers in that cottage. Only Caroline worked on, insisting on planning until each thing was just where she wanted it to be, set in just such a way as would contribute most to the comfort of the inhabitants. I believe you like it, declared Mrs. Fenton to her, as she arranged and rearranged the dishes in the tiny china closet, with a view to economizing space. Here you are working away, and the rest of us are just wild to get out. You haven't even seen the auditorium yet, nor the hall, nor anything. What do you mean? I'm saving them, said Caroline, laughing. They'll keep, but my yeast won't unless I use it tonight. I'm going to bake some bread. It will seem ever so much more like home than that which we buy. Truth to tell, she did like it, this pretty new house, small enough to be home-like, simple enough so that she might let the wings of her imagination soar into realms that would make of it her very own. What if it were, and she had the entire control of its management, surrounded always by people with whom she would like to be? In that case, how would she arrange this closet, and that sitting-room, and that front chamber? These were endless sources of innocent pleasure to the lonely, homeless girl. Almost from childhood, her only home had been that of a hired helper in houses of wealth and elegance. Perhaps this is the reason why such houses never meant home to her. They are too large and grand and cold, she said to herself with a shiver. I could never think of cuddling down in any corner of them and being just myself. I don't know what is the matter with them, but this little cottage is perfect. I wonder if the man who planned it has a wife and talked with her about these corner cupboards. 
he could never have thought them out himself without her help. How much obliged I am to her for them! Caroline Raynor enjoyed a great deal that summer at Chautauqua. If you should ever see her and talk with her about it, she will undoubtedly have much to tell you about the lectures and the concerts and the rare and highly appreciated opportunities on every hand. But so queer are human hearts that I doubt if she says a single word to you about those corner cupboards over which she worked with such quiet pleasure and with such a sense of making the most of a convenient little home as she had never felt before. There came an evening when, the after-supper dishes safely stored, and the room in dainty order, Caroline washed her hands, unbuttoned and hung away the trim house apron behind a convenient door, that looked as though it had been hung with a special view to hiding away work aprons when work was done, and gave a satisfied little sigh as she told herself that now they might begin their meetings as soon as they pleased. She was quite ready to listen and enjoy. She knew just what she was going to have for breakfast, and in just how little time it could be made ready. There was no occasion to give another thought to the house that evening. She resolved upon a walk. It was just at the fascinating hour when the soft gray mist of the departing day was hovering over all things, and yet when the sky was aglow with stars. Had she planned it all, she could not have chosen a better hour in which to get first impressions of the beauty that overhung Chautauqua. The question was, whom could she secure for a companion? The large family had scattered itself after tea as if by magic, irresistibly drawn in the ways of their various fascinations, Mrs. Fenton having been the last to go, half provoked at Caroline meantime, because she would not be prevailed upon to leave some household task until the morrow, and come and see how lovely the lake looked in the twilight. "'Robert,' she said suddenly, discovering a grey-coated figure sitting out on a bit of log under one of the tallest trees, gazing steadily up into the sky, Suppose you come and show me a little piece of Chautauqua. Whereupon Robert Fenton jumped up from the log with great alacrity, and came towards her. Are you really ready? he said eagerly. I shall be delighted to go with you. Caroline, do you know anything about astronomy? Not a thing, said Caroline, smiling over the earnestness of his tone. Well, I wish I did. I wonder why they don't have boys study it more. It seems strange to know almost nothing of a lot of worlds that we can look right up at. Think of Europe, for instance. I know a good deal about that part of the world, though I never saw it, and perhaps I never shall, though I think I shall. But anyhow, I've not seen it yet, and I know pretty well what is going on over there. But what do I know about that star, that largest one looking right straight down on us? But then, people can travel through Europe and learn the languages, and make the acquaintance of the inhabitants, and after you have learned all there is to know about that star, how much will you know of the people who live there, if there are any? That's true, said Robert thoughtfully, but that's no reason why a boy should not learn all that he can about the star itself. To this Caroline heartily assented, and Robert, with increased earnestness, began to tell her of a certain lecture that was to be delivered soon at Chautauqua by one Dr. Warren. All about astronomy, and just as fascinating as any story book. Mr. Monteith says so. 
not professor monteith but the young man he says it's just splendid stopping himself in the midst of this tide of explanation as they reached a turn in the avenue with the question now which way do you want to go whichever way you are pleased to take me i have not seen anything save what i couldn't help looking at when we arrived then i'm just going to take you to the hall the rest rush to the auditorium first and rave over that it is splendid i suppose large you know and makes one think of crowds and grand things but i can't imagine people enough here to fill it not to begin with the hall now it is different just a nice audience would fill that and it is so white and so oh well i can't explain only it's nice and you will like it some people don't care about it much but i know you will thank you said caroline and her heart was smiling as well as her eyes she understood the boy imagined something of what he would have said if he could have expressed his feelings and she understood and appreciated the delicately sincere compliment this is a lovely avenue that leads to your favorite building she said as she turned back to look at the straight wide road they had traversed lying clear-cut amid the shadows of the overhanging trees isn't it declared robert with ever-increasing enthusiasm this is another thing i like so much this avenue i'll tell you caroline when it must be just grand and that is in full moonlight ha there it is it is impossible to describe for you the delight that was in the boy's tones as the gleaming pillars of the hall of philosophy rose up before him something in the purity and strength and quaintness seemed to have gotten possession of him whether it was a shadowy link between him and some ancient scholar or worshipper i cannot say but certain it is that robert fenton boy though he was treading the chautauquan avenues for the first time felt his young heart thrill with a hope and a determination neither of which he understood every time he saw those gleaming pillars oh said caroline now what a foolishly insignificant word that appears on paper and yet you are no student of language if you do not to some extent realize the shades of feeling which it is capable of expressing let it but explode from living lips able to give it just the right intonation and it becomes eloquent pathetic sarcastic according to the mood of the speaker but always effective it satisfied robert there he said in triumph what did i tell you they walked with quiet feet up and down the echoing floor they walked to the outer edge and looked down on the hillside below them over toward the lake spanned by gleaming lights and up at the ever-increasing stars they walked back and stood in front of the platform and gave free play to their almost equally vivid imaginations they were really beginning life these two although counting by years one was nearly a decade ahead of the other robert's opportunities had been by far the greater and this bridged the difference in years and made them companionable robert liked her he was not fond of most young ladies he had arrived at the age when a certain type of free and fearless boy needs to struggle hard with the temptation to look down upon all feminine natures except perhaps his mother's and grandmother's was something very like scorn they were as a class so hopelessly weak and feeble so afraid of offence or a stream of water to cross 
they screamed at bugs and worms and shrank from dogs and even cows as terrible creations they were in short so lacking in those elements which a real boy cannot help at a certain time in his life putting foremost among the virtues that robert at least knew few beside his mother that he cared to like always putting caroline first among the few the quiet poise of her nature seemed to tone and rest his impetuous one she was so calmly brave where many drew back and shrieked that in robert's eyes she was a model he stepped on to the platform at last and said now i will be professor de profundis and deliver a lecture on the biological construction of the well the gauls say i know as little about them as any people will you be audience yes she said laughing i will if you will have a conversation instead of a lecture and explain to me the meaning of the words which compose your topic whereupon he shrugged his shoulders and declared conversazioni in his opinion to be dangerous things suppose every lecturer were called upon to explain the meaning of the words he used what would become of the lecturer thus they like two happy children gave themselves up to the pleasure of the hour robert after indulging in a strain of bombastic eloquence for a few minutes suddenly broke away to look after a passing squirrel and caroline moved toward one of the busts which adorned the hall wondering much whose face it was and finally growing so interested in the dim outline of feature that she set about learning robert she called as she heard his step approaching eh what i beg your pardon ma'am this was the answer in a strange voice to her call and turning somewhat startled she saw that the hall had another occupant End of chapter 18